This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have John Foppy in the studio with us. John, how are you doing today? Great. Glad to be with you, Brett. Uh, it's great to have you. I appreciate you being here. I know you are a man that travels all over the world and speaks and gives back to people, so it's great to um, to meet you. My, uh, my business partner, Tim Hammett, his son, Luke Hammett, uh, was at an event you had at Washington, D.C. for, uh, I guess it was a pro-life deal. Uh, out in Washington, D.C. in January, and he was there and came back and said, uh, you know, Mr. Gilliland, you got to have this guy on the show. So it was exciting, uh, you know, through his dad telling me about your story and having you on here. So we're excited that you're with us today. So uh, as we always do on every show, uh, why don't you go back, John, and just kind of tell us what's going to help make you the man you are today and, and have people hear your story. Certainly. Well, again, I'm happy and honored to be here with you. Um, what your listeners can't see is that uh, I guess the hallmark of my story is that I was born without arms. I do everything with my feet, everything from get dressed in the morning to brush my teeth to type on a computer to drive a car. And I've uh, you know spent obviously every day of my life dealing with that, what I call a condition. Um, I'm locally raised from southern Illinois. I live in a little town called Breeze, about 40 miles east of downtown St. Louis. Um, Naturally, growing up, uh, you know, went through a lot of the different emotions of low self-esteem and struggling to fit in and feeling sorry for myself. Um, but I was fortunate. I was born into a very courageous and loving family. Uh, Mom and dad practiced a lot of tough love on me and, uh, you know, uh, in my childhood. That really kind of helped me start um, taking a deep look inside and accepting responsibility um, knowing that there's a lot that I can't change, but focusing on what I had the power to change and, you know, and, and dealing with that. Um, because I grew up in a small town out in uh, southern Illinois, you know, life in those rural communities really revolve around sports. Well, if you uh, have a disability and you can't play sports, uh, you're uh, kind of out of luck in terms of extracurriculars. But I was fortunate that my church had a strong youth ministry program. And when I was in high school, I was actively involved in that and flourished as a leader. And um, when I was a senior in high school, was elected president of the Belleville Diocesan Catholic Youth Organization that encompasses the Catholic Church in all the 28 counties of Southern Illinois. Um, was elected president of that organization, given an opportunity to take a missionary trip to Haiti. Um, and uh, there I encountered third world poverty for the first time. I believe every high school senior should do a trip uh, to a foreign country and see third world poverty. I think it would be a crash course in gratitude. Anyway, um, I had a life-changing moment there, an encounter with a little boy, that I um, made a resolve that I would go back and tell the story about people living in poverty, and I did that during my senior year of high school. 
But as I did that, um, got into college, I stepped into the once I stepped into the public eye, um, you know, other organizations and schools started calling and asking me to come back and speak um, about healthy self-esteem and overcoming adversity. Self-esteem was a big issue in the classrooms and the schools back in the late 80s. And, um, you know, one thing always led to another. And then by the time I got into college, uh, corporations started calling me and asking me to come and speak about attitude change and doing more with less and decided to study communication. And when I was uh, about finished with college, I had an incredible opportunity to work with and meet uh, internationally known motivational speaker and author Zig Ziglar. And uh, Zig quickly became my mentor, and I went to work with him after college, and he trained and grew me as a professional speaker. Uh, lived in Texas for three years and traveled all around the country uh, delivering seminars on his behalf. Um, but I eventually decided to come back here to the to St. Louis, to where my family was, and uh, start my own company, um, which is now called Visionary Velocity Worldwide. And I work with um, all types of organizations and companies on translating their strategic visions into outcomes and to execute. Um, but I also, about 10 years ago, had a little girl. My wife and I had a little girl. Um, wanted to get off the road a little bit, or a lot, really, and uh, decided to scale back on that. So my day job is, is that I serve as the executive director of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. That's a lay Catholic organization that helps people in need right here at home. And I love it because it really marries a lot of the different passions of my life. I have a, you know, a real affinity for helping people in need, but also um, going out and helping, you know, there's all different types of need. Right. It always makes me curious how some people can have everything and struggle to do and, you know, they struggle to do anything. And then you have people out there who don't have anything and yet somehow overcome it and do everything. It's amazing, isn't it? So I want to start. I mean, one of our questions comes from the same guy that introduced us, Luke Hammett. He says, you know, how do you recover mentally from a significant setback? So whether it's the stuff that you were born with or other you know business leaders that are out there, I mean, how do you how do you recover from those mental setbacks? Well, I think the, oh, that's a <laughs> that that's a loaded question. There, I wrote a whole book on it called "What's Your Excuse: Making the Most of What You Have." But I I think there's some basic things. First of all, I think it's important to acknowledge and just feel the feelings. You know, so often we try to say, "Oh, I shouldn't feel that way," or um, you know, we, we we try to I don't know candy coated or sugar coated or whatever or just deny it altogether that's never healthy i think it's okay to be down i think it's okay to be depressed i think it's i think it's okay to be discouraged i don't think it's okay to stay there it's not okay to stay down and discouraged so again feel the feeling that's be the my first advice but then um then it's also important just to pay attention to the self-talk um what it, what is that little voice in the side of your head i mean inside your head saying is it um you know if if you you just got to be aware of that of the that that mental frame of mind and what it's saying um because so much of what is what we say to ourselves our thoughts manifest into attitudes which transform into a way of being and that forms our interactions with each other and then that gets into whether you know our our our, our success or whether we make or break things in life the way we do things so I think it's um, it's just important to feel the feelings. I think it's important to watch the self-talk, but I think it's also important to reach out to other people. Um, you know, I don't do this alone. I tell people that all the time. I, I mean, I have a loving 
beautiful wife at home. Her name is Christine, who's a huge sounding board for me. I'm, you know, um, some days probably more than she cares to be. <laughs> but um, it's important to just, uh, you know, have friends or a, a healthy relationship where you can just kind of process things. Um, and then I think it's also important to have goals. It is uh, important to, you know, know where you want to go, um, to put your resources, your energy, a lot of it's your energy. You know, where, where do you spend your mental power at? Where do you, what, what do you give power in your life to or, or what drains you? And, you know, really, um, and I think that's why goals are so important. Yeah, and I think that leads me to my next question is you, you've talked about, you know, envisioning your vision, kind of seeing that success versus versus actually achieving it. So, so talk to us about that. What does that mean to you? So I believe that we are co-creators of our own reality. Well, what do I mean by that? I mean that there are things that are out of our control. We can't control the weather or politics or the economy. But there, and as soon as you let go of the things that you can't control and focus on what you can control, you move the ball a whole lot farther down the court than what you ever thought you could in the first place. And so it really begins with understanding the importance of your perception, your seeing, seeing your seeing. How am I looking at the situation? Because the way we perceive things then leads to emotional reactions. Do we feel good or bad or right or wrong about things, true or false? And then what happens is over time, it's those emotional reactions that kind of get proceduralized, ritualized, formalized to the point we take on an identity. And again, it, it kind of gets into the interactions. How do, if, if, if we see ourselves as, you know, maybe not happy or unsuccessful or a, lo- a louse or something, you know, that's not going to be too attractive to other people and they're going to might see the same thing. So the mindset creates the experience and the experience creates the mindset. And I think it's really just being aware of it so that you can change your thinking. You know, there's an old adage in recovery circles that you can act your way into a new way of thinking and you can think your way into a new way of acting. And sometimes it's both. And so I really begin with really paying attention and being aware of your perceptions. How are you perceiving the situation? Because we all know that two people can look at the same object or, and, and see different things. And, um, and how we see things determines our approach to it. Yeah, control the controllables, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you think about that, I mean, you, you talked about mindset. I mean, when we talk about the circuit of success, we talk about attitude. We talk about your beliefs. You know, we talk about the activities. We talk about the results. When you hear that, how important would you look at that top left corner of saying attitude? How important that is, uh, is, is that in your life? I think attitude is critically important. And you're right. It does spill over into, um, you know, the way we approach things in our interactions. But I also know that attitudes are fleeting, right? They're good today, they're bad tomorrow. Just the way they, they're just the way they are. I try to get down to something more stable. And in my seminars, you hear me talk a lot about my, my being. Who are you being? And being, simply put, is the space or the position that you occupy in life. It's, it's, um, and so I think it's so much more foundational. Who we, who we are being um, again, it, it, it has to do with our interactions, how we interact with others, how we interact with ourselves, how other people interact with us. And so I really, tr- like in my life, I a long time ago made the conscious decision, I'm not going to occupy the place or the space that the world calls disabled victim. I'm just not going to do that. Now, 
Are my attitudes great and poly, uh, you know, great and sunshiny and wonderful every 365 days of the year? No, they're not. Some days are hard. But I also have to, on those difficult days, go back and ask myself, am I being who I want to be? And if the answer is, well, you're falling short today, well, then maybe there's something I need to look at. Right. Yeah. That's a big deal. What, um, you talk about your mission, and I, I, was, I, I really like this when I looked at this, but it talks about voice the unexpressed, listen to the ignored, and see the possibilities. I love that. So tell me more about that. So I think a lot of times what stalls us out in our life and in our organizations are the things that, you know, the elephants or the gorillas in the living room that sometimes are getting in the way and that people want to shy away from, whether that could, that could be an addiction, that could be a money management problem, uh, you know, oh, it's not that bad or, you know, or it'll get better tomorrow, you know. So I think it's important to, um, to to talk things out, to put it out there in the open, to call the game, if you will, and say, no, it's, you know, this is not where I want it to be, or the budget is blown or whatever. Let's own it. Let's own it for what it is. It is not pretty today. So let's not sweep it under the rug and, and no, no shame in it. I mean, you know, we kick ourselves all day, but that ain't going to do us any good. But what's going to do us good is by being open and honest and real about whatever it is so that then we can take action on it. And so um, part, of my, part of what I really teach in organizations is, is, you know, listening to, listening to the people. What are you not hearing? Who, what, what out there are um, some possibilities of, you know, the, you know, sometimes you can just sense that there are things that are not getting expressed. You might not know what they are, but you can sometimes find that people are, are holding back. Yeah. And um, I just think that it's so important to um, also realize that often it's the small thoughts that blind us and the hardened feelings that deafen us and the old tired excuses that paralyze us. Those are the real cripplers in life. And so, again, part of the mission is, is by bringing a voice to that and opening it up and listening. And I think it's just important as far as um, it parts our own growth and our, uh, individuals. Um, I don't think it's any mystery that, uh, for me as a Christian, that's who Christ taught. That's who he ministered to. That's who he hung out with. He didn't hang out with the celebrities and the athletes. He hung out with the people with disabilities. And I think he was doing that for a reason, because those are the real, the real miracles are, are the ones that are in our heads and in our hearts. And so... Um, That's who we should be listening to. Well, I, I believe that, absolutely. As a, as a Christian, I, uh, I find tremendous strength in my faith. Um, I couldn't do what I do without my faith. So you talk about in the corporate world that, you know, corporate visions, you know, they, they sometimes fail to inspire. Uh, and most fall short of outcomes. I mean, that's what you, you're literally building a career, writing books about. I mean, so why is that? Why do you think that the visions uh, fall short of outcomes? So I equate it to a, it's like a code. It's not a code, but it's like a code. So what do I mean by that? I mean that when an organization, and it happens in our personal lives too, but when an organization, you cast the vision and it goes out, it gets garbled like a code it gets um garbled through those three things i said earlier you're seeing you're doing and you're being 
because we all approach those things differently, right? right. And so it's kind of how it get. It's kind of how the message gets filtered. So th- what happens is, is there becomes a a gap, a disconnect, if you will, between the vision and then the outcome. And what I propose to the organizations that I work with, there's something in that gap, and what's in that gap is a translation problem. So when you, and I subscribe to this theory, but maybe you could uh, share this. Maybe this is a wrong theory, but it's also I say share the vision. I say it. Steve Jobs is one that said it. I just like it, but. Get, share the vision, build the vision, find great people, and then get out of their way. So would you believe that or do you disagree with that? I, I would say in, in general, yeah, I think that that's, yeah, that's, if, <laughs> that's the perfect world if you can do all that. Right. That would be, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's important to, uh, I think it's very important to, to find good people and let them run. I mean, at my, uh, my work at St. Vincent de Paul, it's a big part of my job is to lead the executive leadership team. You know, when you're the CEO or executive director of an organization, you get spread pretty thin. And so I think it's important to have people in respective directorships or vice presidencies that really know well about their area of expertise and letting them run. So when you think of the search success, we talked about attitude, um, beliefs. So some of mine, obviously, we talked about this God. I believe in God. I, I believe in myself. I believe in goal achievement. I believe in um, believing in the whatever that product, and I'm using air quotes here, but whatever that product is that you're selling, quote unquote, um, what is it that you have found that people must believe in to be successful long term? So I guess everybody defines success differently, right? And so the answer to that question probably... First should be, you know, how do you define success? That's, that, a, that's another question I got. Yeah. So maybe we can talk about that. that, that that's, a, that's a little... Um, Let's talk about that. So how do you define so, success? Yeah. So the answer, the answer to the question of how, you know, what makes people successful, I think, first of all, how do you define success? So for me, success is, um, you know, my, what I believe my purpose in life is, is to live it courageously and joyful so that other people know that there's a purpose to life. I've put a lot of work and a lot of thought into that. And my John Foppy's purpose is to live my life courageously and joyfully so that other people know there is a purpose to life. Um, I believe that all success, um, I mean, this cuts, cuts across cultures and religions. Um, it gets into the biology of our brain and everything is ultimately tied to being of service to others in some way, shape, or form, or capacity. That if we just truly follow a self, a path of self-absorption, we're not really gonna be helpful, or happy, for that matter. So, so for me, in the principles that I try to practice every day, I mean, I think it's, it's some basic things that make it successful. Um, and, Sometimes they sound, they might be a little more countercultural, but I think it helps just with day to day. So it's things like, for me, um, being in the moment, really just uh, relishing the moment of where we're at. It might not be where you want to be. And again, I know that sounds a little contradictory to having goals, but I think you can do both. I think you can have goals, but also appreciate what rung of the ladder or where it is you are at today. Um, and then I think it's important to be able, because it's important to be able to detach somewhat from all the other pressures and challenges and the ups and downs of life. So, um, 
I think it's important to spend some time in quiet. Um, no matter what religion you are or whatever, um, silence is the language of God. Um, I think it's also important to give of yourself to other people. We can really get, we can get really down and out about our own problems, our own challenges, and lose perspective. And it's at those times when we really need to just, you know, put all of our stuff aside and just go, go help somebody else. Um, you know, then there, there are other things like I had previously mentioned. I think you got to watch your self-talk. I think you um, got to honor yourself and be good to yourself and do things that are life-giving. Um, I think it's important to be in healthy relationships. Watch out who you hang out with. You know, it's a, it's a basic thing we would tell our kids. You know, we become like those we associate ourselves with. And we'll, we might pound that into a third or a fourth grader or a 13-year-old. But just sometimes we as adults don't follow that own rule, our own rule. Hopefully this uh, nine and six-year-old sitting in the room with us over here just heard that, right? <laughs> exactly. Beautiful little boys. But we do become like we associate with our, like we associate with, and so I think it's important to uh, to watch that. So those are some other things. Yeah. So when you say get in the moment, because I, I I write that down, I read that all the time. Is stay in the moment as as we talk. You know, two of my boys are sitting here with us listening to this great podcast, and uh, you know, with the four boys and and my wife, it's just it's crazy busy, right? And so people are driving around today or working out, whatever they're doing, listening to this. And it's a hard question, I think, but how do you stay in the moment? How do you get in the moment so you can enjoy whatever it is you're doing in that time? Because with life being so crazy, sometimes we just, time flies. How do you do that? So uh, one thing, and again, I'm not always good at, but is silence. I think if you can begin your day with 20 minutes of just pure, unadulterated silence, turn off the phones, the TVs, the everything, and just try to you know center yourself in your thoughts. That is so important because what happens is even though, even though you might your thoughts may wander and all that, when you get into the stressors of the day, your mind you can go back to that twenty minutes of silence, like a well that you can draw upon or an anchor, if you will, that helps. So that's one thing. Um, I like to celebrate the seasons. I like to to acknowledge what season that we're in. You know whether that you know how you're you know decorating the house and or or uh, what you're doing outside i think it's important to do that i think it is also important um to remember that everything passes um so sometimes you get hung up on how this outcome what's going to happen here and how's this going to work out and you know just to try to take a step back is you know what is a year from now is this going to really make any bit of difference yeah, that's great feedback, too. And I think you would attest to this having a 10-year-old. I mean, that, that 10 years just I mean, it exactly. went by like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we got to stay grounded on that. I mean, that's the tough part is, though, when you're in the craziness of running into practices and games and uh, busy family stuff with, with business as well, it's just it's hard to stay in the moment sometimes. And just, you know, reminding yourself what your priorities are. You know, the other thing is, um, you know, just, Again, reminding yourself what your priorities are and really being clear about that. You mentioned a few minutes ago books like, you know, Good to Great. Um, you know, Passage of Time has been interesting with that book because there's some things that end right. and it should be so great. But one of the things that I like about what Colin says in that book is have the discipline to say no and to say no thank you. It's probably one of the biggest things that I do as an executive director running a nonprofit. We have so many things that come across through our doors 
uh, you know, causes or whatever and support this and do that. And I always have to bring myself and my team back. But what's our mission? What is our mission? Because if I, I not that none of those things, I mean, all those things are great stuff. But then we're going to really be able to do what we're called to do well. And um, I, I believe that in my personal life. I think it's important to know your limits and not feel bad about it if you're, you know, just tired and you need a rest. So you, you also talk about uh, our worth lies beneath what we do and have. Tell me more about that. Again, back to the idea that things change, things are fleeting. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love to have a nice house and, you know, um, any of those kind of amenities, but I think it's important not to get our identity swept up in that because things can change. Things can be taken away from us. It's important to understand who we are. And I wrestled with that question for a long time in my life. And fundamentally, who I am is a child of God. That won't change. Right. No matter what you have. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we always talk about don't don't uh, confuse your net worth with your self worth. Absolutely, so bingo. I think that's big. Um, so, what habits and rituals? I mean, you're traveling the world from Italy to DC to you know around home. I and mean, what are you finding some habits and rituals? And you talked about this. I mean, that I, I call it the classroom of silence. I got that from Matthew Kelly. The classroom of silence, silence every day. Um, what are you seeing? Are other rituals and habits that people are doing? Um, one that I do that Zig Ziglar used to advocate for years is Automobile University. You know, I um, have a 45, 50 minute commute on a good day into St. Louis. Uh, and so I burn through a lot of audiobooks. I think it's important to, to use that time to, uh, you know, to keep your mind fed. So that's, that's one habit. I think journaling is, uh, is, is good. Um, I think it's just important just to try to strive to have a good work-life balance. Make sure you're scheduling dates with your spouse and not feeling bad about it. Um, you know, uh, times and prayer. There's just, you know, all kinds of health, healthy things. What, uh, what risk are you happy, John, that you took in your life? What risk am I happy that I took in my life? Uh, that I asked my wife to marry me? <laughs> <laughs> you're the second guest that have said that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? So how did, where did you meet your wife? Oh gosh, it's a long story. Long story short, my wife, Christine, she's uh, just a wonderful, beautiful, stunning woman. If you saw her, she, she kind of looks like Meg Ryan. Um, she was running around with a group of girlfriends of one of which was a girl named Emma, who was dating one of my brothers. And, um, and, uh, Emma had long story short, invited Christine to come to one of my seminars and hear me speak. Um, she, Christine worked in the hospitality field for a long time, and she had heard about me as a speaker. And when she kind of put the two and two together that Emma was dating my brother, she said, oh, yeah, I'd like to you know, come in here and speak sometime. So uh, she came to this one talk I did, and I'll never forget it. I was talking to all these stuffy politicians. It was a, it was a room of uh, old gray-haired men in gray suits, and here we walked this tall beautiful blonde in a beautiful red dress and i was just mesmerized love at first sight love huh? at first sight and we were engaged seven weeks later holy smokes seven weeks later seven weeks later, i wasn't gonna let her off the hook <laughs> so i'm glad that i made that absolutely that uh risk 
Now, beautiful little girl after that. So what, what else? I mean, when you think about your, um, the, the, the time that you have and the things that you're doing and being in the moment, what are you, what are you passionate about right now that you wish you could do more of? Oh, um, you know, I like missionary work. I like going overseas and working internationally. Um, when I speak overseas in developing countries, uh, even if there is a language barrier, somehow my disability transcends that. It's just the weirdest thing in the world. Um, I guess because just showing up as a person with a disability um, in so many of those countries where they're marginalized or shunned or whatever, so just showing up kind of makes a statement. Right. And um, I really am passionate about you know doing that kind of work and uh, in those parts of the world, just giving them uh, a message of giving giving a message of hope to people who would not normally even be exposed to any of that type of message or thinking. That's what I love to do. Okay. And then when you think about fears, as we, uh, and we talk about this with every guest, how many of the fears that you've kind of put in your mind and made them these, these big fears, how many of those actually came true in your life? And, and to the extent that you put them in your mind to be fears, as big as they were. Hmm, yeah, I always, that's a good point. I always say it's the, you know, so often the things that we fear aren't the things that come to fruition. Most of the time it's the things you never thought of. Right. You know, that coming around and kick you in the rear and because right. you, you didn't give that the time of day or weren't cautious about. So that's just kind of the irony of life. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't know that there's things that I have to stay on guard for, you know. Uh, so I use my legs for every my, you know, my feet for everything, including uh, driving a car. So I put my left foot up on the steering wheel, operates the gas and the brake and and um I was born with a birth defect in my hips and that hip is degenerating. And so, I mean, I get, you know, sometimes I get in my head about that and, you know, when I feel the arthritis pains and, you know, what, what, where could that lead and what would that mean? Cause you know, it's not like I have two hands that I can push a wheelchair or, or feed myself if I can't use my legs. So, you know, those kind of things, but I, I try not to dwell on it too much. And again, back in the moment, right? Right. Absolutely. So and people probably ask you that stuff all the time. And what's the question you probably get asked the most when, when people see you physically, what do they ask? I mean, it, it, I've seen your video and, it, and you even have, uh, you can take a credit card and, and put it in the gas machine and get your own gas. I mean, that, that's just unbelievable. I mean, so how do you, how do you do that? Well, at first value, for, if people don't know anything about me, just, you know, meeting someone out on the street, the first thing they'll want to know is whether this was, you know, an accident. Sure. Or, and I, you know, I have to explain that it's congenital. But that's just kind of where people go. Um, you know, and then from there, it's like, you know, people want to, you know, how do you shake your hand? We're such a creature of habit. We stick out sure. our hands to, to greet people. And I always say, just pat me on the back and well, that's good because that's what i did i didn't know what i was going to do when you got here today and i just patted you on the back that's right that's exactly right yeah so and i guess you just it's just like everything in life right just like a little baby learning to walk i mean you just had to teach yourself to do everything with your feet and and the with everything right it really is it's incredible how the human mind helps the human body adapt to adversity i mean you hear about you know situations of people who are blind and their hearing is more sensitive and that's just kind of what happened to me i mean the doctors really i would say it wasn't a special school that you could go to to learn how to use your feet the only advice the doctors had was when they sent me home was told my oh, don't put any shoes on him <laughs> you know, it's just basically it 
So I and I didn't pay attention today. So when you got here, you wore shoes, uh, and mm-hmm. then you just take them off when you're like in a meeting or something. Sure, like that. I use slip-ons. Yeah, I don't do shoes that I can tie for obvious yeah. reasons. So back to kind of the circuit of success, we talked about attitude. We we talked briefly on on beliefs and how that ties to defining what success is. What what are your activities for you personally and for other successful people out there that you're traveling around seeing? What are the activities that you're seeing uh, them do every day? Um, I think again, going back to maybe some of the leadership I this things I think see is uh, leaders who are focused on their vision, their mission. They understand. Uh, what it is in an organization. I just went through a real interesting uh, exercise with my own organization over at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, is really looking at the why. Why do we do what we do? Um, you know, mission statements tend to get hung, get kind of go quickly to the what or the hows of an organization, and that's all great and that's a needed thing. But they don't always say, well, but why do we do it? Um, and you may have heard of the um, speaker Simon Sinek. Oh, yeah. You know. Who's, um, came pretty popular with his TED talk. He does some great work around that um, that whole construct. I think so. I think it's important to to understand that and have the discipline to be able to say no to things. Um, I think it's important to um, you know to celebrate your people, to trust them. You know. Absolutely. What, let's talk about your book. What's your excuse? So uh, I'm assuming people can find that on uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon, all those places, yeah. and uh, yeah. get that. So or if some John Foppy F O P P E, got it. So go there. We'll put that in the show notes as well on iTunes, and uh, you can get the book. What What's the the one or two things? You know, when I talk to authors; they always have kind of that one or two thing they really hope. Uh, obviously, you hope they get lots of stuff out of the book, but what's that one or two things that you hope they get out of the book when they read it? Uh, I guess a couple things come top to mind. W- number one, I want people to know that all things are within reach when you reach within. It's about reaching within yourself. And, um, you know, for all the reasons that we just talked about over this last time. Um, a couple other things in the book that I think I'm particularly proud of, I kind of talk about what's the difference between an excuse and an explanation. Mm. Um, you know, there's uh, how, do, how do I, how do, when is it that I'm just offering an excuse and when is it an explanation of a legitimate reason why something can't be done that way today? And so I talk a little bit about that. Um, I talk a little bit about tough love because it was such a big, important thing in my life that my parents did. But I make the point that the ultimate form of tough love is is loving and valuing yourself and your job and your life for the gift that it is, even if it might be in an underdeveloped state. But to love it enough to be able to work on it and to improve it and to cherish it. Um, And so I make the point, I kind of have some discussion in the book about, you know, when do you give tough love and, you know, what is it and particularly for parents, what is it and what it isn't more than anything, because a lot of people get confused about it. Um, I make the point in the book, and I think this is a key, again, back to your principles of success. I make the point in the book, because it was a huge turning point in my life, um, about the tough love thing, is that sometimes the first thing you need to do is usually the last thing you want to do. Get it done. Get it over with, right? Whether that's by the day or the month, I mean, I know we talk about that with the day, is try to get the thing you don't want to do today done as soon as you can. Yep. 
Then you don't have to worry about it, right? Yep. I think there was a book somebody wrote it. It wasn't called Eat a Frog, frog or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the last question I always end with with people is uh, I give John Foppy $10 million. You cannot uh, pay off debt and you cannot uh, donate it. What are you doing? I can't donate it? <laughs> nope. Because I, I know a guy like you, that's exactly what you'd say, right? <laughs> I can't pay off debt? No. Oh, wow. Well, what else is there? <laughs> I don't, you know, who knows, right? You can, you can invest it, not with us here. I'm not saying that, but you can invest it in, uh, a lot of people say invest. They, they talk about things that are going to help grow to try to help change the world, if you will, or whatever it may be. Some people may just want to get a place on the ocean and travel with their beautiful bride. Okay, well, you're getting me to kind of talk from a, a self-serving standpoint. I guess, yes, I, the prudent thing would be to invest. Of course, I would do that if I couldn't donate it or couldn't pay off debt. Um, and then I probably uh, would uh, I'd get myself a nice little chalet on some stream in an Austrian mountain. There you go. That's just my Austria is one of my favorite places in the whole world. That's what I was going to ask you too. So that's uh, all the places you've been in the world. That's that's the spot if you had to go back. It is um, that and probably the home part of uh, the northwestern part of Germany where my family is from. I just uh, feel a deep connection to it. Um, Austria is just beautiful because you have the mountains and the lakes and. And all that you have snow and you have just the beauty of summer and the people and the culture. I just I love it. So yeah, I'd probably would take, if, you, if you're not gonna let me do anything else with it, I would go get myself a nice little chalet on a mountain stream. I like it. I like it. Well, John, I appreciate you being on the circuit of success. It's been a uh, it's been a privilege having you here. And where, where can our uh, listeners find more of you? You you mentioned uh, obviously your website, John Foppy F O P P E dot com. And uh, are you on social media? Do you do that thing? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, I don't know. I'm sure if you Search put in John Foppy. John Foppy Motivational Speaker, put that into Facebook and that'll come up. Okay. We'll put that stuff in the show notes. We want to send as much traffic your way. Appreciate um, it. As, as you can tell for all of our listeners out there, uh, what a great man this guy is to come in here today and, and uh, really appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you being on the circuit of success. Appreciate you letting my boys, Drew and Hudson, sit in here and and listen and enjoy the podcast today as I hope everybody else uh, out there listening enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having you. So thanks a lot. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.